Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. This is our mini episode in our Culture War series that will be tagging on to our conversation that we had with Mindy Tackett about Christian nationalism. There was so much, so many great resources that Mindy mentioned in the podcast. So Nicole and I were like, we have to get on board with one of these and really dig in deeper. And we encourage y'all to do so as well. So for this mini episode, we're going to chat about an article that we read written by Dr. David Brockman. Nicole, what was the title of the article? So the title was New Study of Christian Nationalism in Texas Should Be a Warning for the Whole Country. And maybe I'll even name the publication, which is Religion Dispatches. And what people might also find interesting is just a little bit about that particular publication. And it says, Religion Dispatches, your secular, independent, award-winning source for the best writing on critical and timely issues at the intersection of religion, politics, and culture. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, this was a really good uh, article for us to look at. Nicole actually referenced this in the interview we had with Mindy Tackett. And Mindy spoke a lot about Dr. David Brockman. And I think he was one of the first voices that really rose to the top for her when she was trying to figure out what Christian nationalism is all about. So he is an incredible researcher. And we were excited to read his article to further understand this conversation around Christian nationalism which is, like many things we're encountering, confusing. So let's get right into it. Okay, the first thing I will note that I didn't know until I read this article was that uh, Dr. David Brockman uses Christian nationalism and Christian Americanism kind of interchangeably. Did you know that, Nicole? I never heard that, Christian Americanism. Only reading that article had I heard that. I, I don't think that's very widely used, and I wonder if it's you know, maybe kind of the evolution of the terminology, because I get the feeling, well, I don't get the feeling. I know that he's been studying this for a long time and is one of the first people to actually start talking about it. And so my, from what I understand, I think he began coining the term Christian Americanism, and I think it's evolved to become something bigger, Christian nationalism. Okay. Yeah. That's my understanding. Yeah. That was just interesting. Um, to pick out of that. Uh, I'm going to back up for a second. The The quote that the article opens with is from David Barton, who I'm assuming this is in his book, The Myth of Separation. He says, quote, our founding fathers intended that this nation should be a Christian nation, not because all who lived in it were Christians, but because it was founded on and would be governed and guided by Christian principles, end quote. So David Barton comes up a lot in this article, and Mindy Tackett also spoke about David Barton in our podcast. This is an interesting fellow. Okay, so from what I can gather, he is an amateur, I don't even know if I want to say historian, like it seems like his whole 
mission in life is to rewrite American history and create this narrative that we are a Christian nation. The founding fathers put forth ideologies based in Christian principles and to reformulate this narrative so that everything going forward is grounded in that. And you can turn back and say, see, this makes sense now because of where we come from in the past. What did you, what do you think about David? I think that's exactly right. And it's not evidence-based, right? It is, it's something that he's decided, (laughs) which is why his book, The Myth of Separation, ultimately wasn't published by a publishing house because after it was vetted, you know, by researchers, it has no grounding in actual evidence and, you know, true historical context. So it, it is ju- it is truly a rewriting. It's a myth that he believes, but it, it isn't actually true. And it's a really, it's an interesting way of, of dealing with the world where you just sort of reformulate things to fit your worldview and give yourself a justification, a grounding for whatever it is that you want to put forth. And that's that really is what he did. Yes. And he has such a platform and a lot of people uh, see him as this eminent thinker and strategist. As a matter of fact, um, NPR labeled David Barton as the most influential evangel- evan- evangelist you've never heard of. So he has serious power and influence, and yet he's not one of these well-known names, Um, but he's probably someone that needs to be on more people's radar because of what is behind his mission and the words that he's putting out into the world. The What's my thing most important to highlight? Untrue words. And I think that's where I get really frustrated because we say in this podcast, you know, we do want to be nonpartisan. We want to... And I guess for me, what that means is we want to seek out truth. We want to understand what is really there. We talk about, you know, revealing the invisible machinery. And when you have people like him, which are putting forth disinformation as a reminder, deliberately deceiving, that just makes my hair stand up. Like, this is not how we're going to get a a strong, inclusive government when you're not, when you're not, um, also on that truth-seeking journey, but instead this distorting and manipulating for your agenda and the and what you want to see happen in this country. Very bad. Exactly, right? The issue isn't that, well, he has every right to follow his religion in whatever ways he deems that, you know, that leads him down his own path. But what I take issue with is the complete rewriting of actual history, also creating foundational elements that people use to justify exclusionary and dangerous policy and based, again, in untruth. Mm -hmm. But it is presented as if it is true, right? It is the perfect example of disinformation and propaganda. Mm Mm-hmm. And in Texas, right, he is Texas-based, and that's why this is so relevant, and we have so much policy that is already developed and in the process of being developed that is based on these principles. His hands are in a lot of pies. 
Yes, that's a good way to put it. And that's why I'm really glad we started our series with Jamu uh, Green, because her whole organization, We Defend Truth, is about identifying disinformation and making people aware of what that is and being able to see it with a sharper eye. Because when someone like a David Barton comes across, it is hard to see it if you want to believe a certain mythos of America this feels really good to you, I would imagine. You know, um, if you if you're in a church environment and and you feel attacked, it's like, oh, it all makes sense because we're trying to. And they, I guess, in David Barton's word, rewrite history now. But that's so much of what he says is a distortion. But it's very hard to see it because the way he packages it is so convincing, and that's really frustrating because again, we can't come up with solutions that work for all of us because this whole idea ideology isn't about all of us. It's about, it's about um, power and control and pushing forth this Christian nation, but in very like air quotes, Christian, you know? Yes. Right. (laughs) Softening the edges on the one hand, but also being unapologetic in terms of believing that Christianity should be preferred and favored in terms of of policy. And that if a government leader is a Christian, that they are then automatically more godly, more deserving, a better leader. But they're kind of like what they think is a Christian, which is is where my alarm bells go off because they're not, I don't think that they're acknowledging there's different interpretations of the Bible. There are some Christians who are very much pro-social justice, pro-inclusion, pro-loving your neighbor, whereas this ideology, in my mind, is not that. It is exclusionary. It is, there's a specific idea of what family means, and if you don't subscribe to that, you are, I don't know if you're a Christian after all. I guess that's what they would say, but that is a problem because we can't have a certain body of people deciding who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong. That doesn't work in a democracy. It could maybe work in uh, an, what's the other one? Like a, theocracy. A theocracy. Thank you. Right. Um, and, and a lot, I think a lot more people should be worried about this because you could say, Oh, you know, I guess I'm kind of a Christian. I think a lot of people in America would consider themselves Christians, but it's so narrow who is in this Christian group. And that's why it's important for us to talk more about what's really under the surface. And as Mindy told us, even further down the Christian nationalist uh, message is seven mountains dominionism, this idea of, dominion over all realms of society. And dominion means it's domination. So if you do not fall in line to what they think is right or wrong, you're going to be punished. I mean, you're going to have a hard life. And that is a big takeaway I took from this article was that, yeah, like there's, yeah. I say we also name the seven dominions and I have it pulled up. Okay. That would be great. Um, also sometimes called seven mountains. So if you hear that, they're interchangeable. And so the seven mountains are government, media, arts and entertainment, business, education, religion, family. So you can hear, right, that that's every segment of society. And so, yes, their belief is that Christian 
and air quotes, Christian values should dominate all of those mountains and that that is how you take a society. And so that is their goal to have dominion over everyone and society by taking all of those mountains for Christianity. So it's very righteous, right? In a lot of people's minds that ultimately they are, they are doing something that is godly and righteous. It's, it, it's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing that the article touches on, and Mindy also talked about this in our podcast, was Wall Builders, which is this nonprofit, David Barton, I guess, I think he created it. Um, and he has a podcast called Wall Builders, which I listened to. I took Jamu's advice. She said, we need to listen to the other side. So I sure did. Claire, and- <laughs> tell me all about it. I have not done this. Uh, okay. So it was David Barton... <clears throat> And like one or two other guys. And it was honestly hard to distinguish their voices. This is common when you have like, uh, you know, like an all male podcast or all female. So we're going to try our best to be like, I'm Claire. That's Nicole. Because <laughs> I know this confusion could happen. It happened with me listening to this show. Um, so they started out the show. I think it's a daily show. And the one I heard was where they were talking about, they started the show talking about uh, Disney and how Disney's new CEO has recently been ousted. They reinstated the old CEO and they were just like bashing the guy who just got fired. Like, see, this is what happens when you push forward woke narratives. And that's why Disney's stock is in the ground. And I was like, is it? I think all streamer stocks are doing poorly right now. It's not just Disney, it's Netflix, it's Hulu, like for some reason, Wall Street isn't. So again, they're kind of rewriting this narrative of why this company is doing bad, but they're using that narrative to say, see, we told you so. We told you this was bad for your family. And they were just hating on Disney. And they were like, parents shouldn't let their kids watch the movies or take them to the parks because it's not pro family quote, you know, their kind of idea oh, of family. Oh, the Disney parks. I thought you were saying parks in general. And I was like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with parks? Okay, <laughs> well, sorry. Let me... I'm sure they would see a problem with parks because they're funded by the government. Right, right. Anybody can be there. <laughs> so they were not happy with Disney to, to kick off this show. And they were saying, well, it's okay. We just won't go there. You know, we can just decide not to, we'll, we'll decide with our pocketbook. Then in the other part of the show, they were talking about this uh, event that happened recently with legislators talking about the priorities for the next sessions. And they were like, we're going to see a lot of uh, bills put forward trying to put age limits on drag shows, like only people over 18 can go to a drag show, uh, that, we, that we're not going to allow like sur- gender surgeries or genital surgeries for children. We're going to make it impossible for kids to get hormone treatments to treat gender dysmorphia. All of this stuff, right? Like we're not going to allow parents to make decisions for their families here, but we want them to make decisions Disney, right? So like I'm already seeing this like I would call hypocrisy um, from the show, but you – like, they just make it so, like, oh, this makes sense and that makes sense. But then when you step back, you're like, what are you guys talking about? I Yeah, I think what's interesting, the, the thought that just occurred to me 
with what you just said and what we were talking about just before is that what's interesting to me is how wide of a net they can cast, meaning that they're able to sort of capture the, the let's just say, the, the Christian family who just wants to feel like everything around them reflects their values and their morality, right? So they, they maybe are not the most sort of politically involved people, but they will vote for who someone like David Barton says that they ought to vote for, right? We've got that person because that they have a message that's tailored to them that's very light and family-oriented, but then they also manage to cast a net for the most extreme, the most sort of unapologetically, um, ideologically extreme right folks too. It's I'm just sort of fascinated by their strategy and messaging and how pervasive it is and how it manages to capture such a wide range of people. Um. Because within what you just described, right, it's like it is you just your really run-of-the-mill kind of sweet family type person all the way to somebody who thinks that homosexuality is, you know, the most urgent, you know, problem of our times and that drag performers are groomers and that they are just trying to practice pedophilia. I mean... It's it's interesting to me that they are able yeah. somehow to hold two ends. I mean, it's still at the right. I'm I, that's it's still at the right, but I just mean sort of like the most ideologically extreme person, all the way down to somebody who is maybe a little more. What is even the word? I don't know if benign quite fits, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think the best word that comes to mind for me with this ideology is just how insidious it is. Like you can tune in and and nod your head and be like, okay, I agree with that and I agree with that. But then it gets darker and it's harder to like question it because you're like, well, I already agreed with them in the beginning and I'm like, I'm already here and I'm a Christian and they're Christians and I'm pro-family and they're pro-family. And I mean, how bad can it be if we say you can't go to a drag show. I mean, whatever. Like maybe maybe only adults should go there. And then it's like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like it's like, okay, well, let's keep going on in the article. It's like the in God we trust stuff. Like the way it starts with this, what we were a Christian nation, right? But were we? No. And then like, well, our money says in God we trust. Well, that was added later. And now we're seeing a lot of bills that are requiring in God we trust signs to be put in public um, spaces, government spaces. And then you see the sign and you're like, well, in God we trust. We say it in the pledge. It's everywhere. It's it's ubiquitous. This is this is our founding. And it's like, no. But because it's there now, it's so much harder to pull back and course correct because they know it's insidious. It's step by step. Like it's these baby steps. And that's how you end up in a world where some people have fewer rights than other people. And that 
as a mom is like not the world I want my kids to be a part of or their peers. And that's why this is something I feel more passionate about and frustrated by because they are damaging so much, but in a way that's so hard to like really nail down. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if we want to go here quite yet. Maybe we want to stick with the article. So maybe I'll save this for the conclusion, but I definitely want to talk about the urgency of recognizing and calling out and being willing to push back. So maybe we'll get there. Yes. Yes. Um, trying to gather my next I know. Where do we want to go next? Well, maybe we talk about money a little bit. And, uh, you know, if we talk about, if you listen to our Chris Tackett episode, then these names will sound familiar. But the Wilkes brothers, um, who have been huge funders of both the wall builders, I think it was Ferris who gave $3 million to the wall builders. And then his brother gave... I think more than that, I want to say it was 15 million or something to what is it? Churches in pew or something in pews. I'm sorry that I didn't have that quite ready. Um, but which is an organization that is based in California and they are pastors in pews, pastors in pews. Thank you. And they, you know, promote the same things that, that David Barton has said. In fact, here is a great quote. Um, there is a pastor named David Lane who said uh, that the church-state separation, let me start that again. David Lane, who is from Pastors and Pews in California, said that the church-state separation is a lie and a fabricated whopper designed to stop Christian America, the moral majority, from imposing moral government on pagan public schools, pagan higher learning, and pagan media. So he really, he goes, he goes there. Um, so, and by the way, I, just to, to make that clear, I'm sorry, the $15 million amount that I named was actually what was given the Wilkes brothers gave money to a super PAC for that supported Ted Cruz in his 2016 presidential bid. So that's where that $15 million number came from that I don't know how much they gave to pastors and pews. So mm-hmm. just quick correction there. Yeah. No, that's a, a great point because the article does talk a lot about money and who is funding David Barton's rhetoric and his message. It's these billionaires out of West Texas that we talked about with Chris Tackett. So again, like the connections are all there and you can see how you might tune into David Bartlett and be like, this guy's making so much sense. It's like, you know, he didn't just like pop up out of nowhere. Someone is infusing his business so that he has this platform and it's, it's there, the Wilkes brothers and Tim Dunn's ideology that he is propping up. And I'm sure, well, I don't know, perhaps he believes it as well. Probably we don't know his mind. Um, but that is important to note because they can make it seem organic and grassroots and like, oh, they're just passionate about this thing, but it's so coordinated, like this coordinated effort needs to be recognized. Um, and then the way that they fund candidates who become legislators who further this narrative that we're a Christian nation, 
It's like, but we're not. So we need to stop pretending that it is. Um, but even to say that now almost feels a little bit like, ooh, like, am I right? <laughs> Nicole and I, before we started recording, we're talking about the vow, which is about the Nexium cult. And to me, I see so many parallels between Christian nationalism and this like culty rhetoric, um, the way it really draws people in. And if you're in there and you start questioning it, you are not encouraged to question it, but you are dismissed and put down. And um, you become very defensive of those who speak out against that in-group that you're a part of. Yeah. So imagine what what you can find there, meaning like you can find community, belonging, um, and you also find power. And especially here in Texas, right? Because our legislature, the House, the Senate are controlled, Republican controlled. Our governorship and all of our statewide offices are Republican controlled. So there, you, you can find everything you need. You can find power. You can find community. You can find belonging. I, it, it would be very hard to, to push back. And, and actually, we see what happens when you push back, right? I mean, as I was doing research on, on gun violence and gun prevention, and they talk about when there have been promises made for some level of um, you know, background checks, tightening those, that inevitably what happens is that once session gets back, you know, happens again, um, none of those measures are, are passed or even considered. And I, I know that, that that's kind of a weird leap for me to make, but I think my point really is that there is such a strong hegemonic, may I say it, um, <laughs> hegemony that exists with all of this that is very hard to, to go against. It's such a powerful force. And if you choose to do that, you are out. You are right. out because the people who hold the money and the power have a very specific agenda. Go against it and they will push you out. They will punish you. By pushing you out. Yeah, something I want to read from the article that is connected to this is um, the author talks about Robert Jeffries, who is the senior pastor of a mega church in the Dallas area. And um, Jeffries says, quote, the effort to impeach President Trump is really an effort to impeach our deeply held faith values, end quote. Again, to me, this sounds, I wrote my notes, very culty. No criticism is allowed. If you question Trump, our leaders, you question us. So to step outside of it is very risky. Um, and I uh, like I can't stand for that. Like I, I don't think it's good to be a part parts of groups that don't let you question and be curious and think and challenge Um and it's not only being part of this group, they want this group to be in charge of everything. So if anyone tries to, they're going to punish, punish, punish. So that's where I start to just get uh, very alarmed about where this is headed. I think we have to be very alarmed. I think that if we're not, we are truly, that is at our own danger, our own peril. And... um 
Yes. I don't know. Do we want to continue with the article before Nicole does her like? (laughs) Okay. I have one more thing. This is also connected to what you were saying, Nicole, about gun violence and how we have these terrible events. The public, rightfully so, wants some action taken. And then it's time for session and bills. And what do they do? They revert back to... We, we have to be 18 years old to go to a drag show. I mean, these things that are not even real things. And for me, it's like, it's such a distraction from solving the real problems that we continue with the government that is falling apart. Right now in Houston, they're in a bo- uh, boil, they have to boil their water, uh, boil notice. Is that what it's called? Boil notice? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because their power plant lost power. I mean, Houston's like, what, the fourth largest city in, in America? The fact that they have to do that, we've had to do this this in Austin multiple times, our power grid failed. Like we have real serious meaty problems that need to be solved and that is not on their radar. They could care less about that, which is Hours and hours spent arguing about things like trans children playing sports, about where people use the bathroom, about, yeah, you name it, but not our real infrastructure problems. Yes. Not about the lack of hospitals in rural rural areas, right? We're not talking about that. Nope. No. We're talking about things that don't matter, that that affect such a small percentage of people and affect them negatively. So that's where I get like, stop it. Okay. (laughs) One more thing I'll say about the article is um, towards the end the author says the church state separation and religious freedom may die a death of a thousand cuts. Um, what was I trying to say here? Basically this reminded me of um, what we were talking about with Emily Eby regarding voting and voter suppression, how we're like voter suppression. What's that look like? I can vote. It's not a problem, but there's measures put in bit by bit to make it a little harder, a little harder, a little harder. And slowly before you know it, only a handful of people are, are allowed to vote. It's that death by a thousand cuts. Again, similar echo, which makes me like, it's all connected. Oh, it's really easy, <laughs> right? To feel like it is a conspiracy. <laughs> it's really hard to not put the pieces together in that way. Because, Mm -hmm. yes, it is all about who is able to exercise power and the strategic ways in which they take it and use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just read the last line of the article, which says, those who care deeply about preserving church, state separation, civil liberties, and a a I can't read today, pluralistic democracy would do well to keep a close eye on the politics of this lone star state. So again, yes, we're Texas politics, but this has bigger implications for the country. And you see the alarm being sound here um, by Dr. David Brockman. And we are going to ding that bell as well, because we're like, yes, you are right. This is very alarming. Yep. It's I... I'm officially, officially, I feel like this is incredibly urgent and that it is 100% necessary for everybody's ears to get tuned in to the dog whistles because the other thing that I think this is also a part of what I was talking about is their wide appeal. 
and I think that is the power of the dog whistles that they, that folks who believe in Christian nationalism are so good at deploying, right? So it's these things that to, to most people, maybe not most people, but some people might sound really um, healthy and normal and benign, but other people hear it in a different way. And it sort of tips off something that maybe you or I are not trained to hear. And so it's so important that we understand the dog whistles and there's some of the things, of course, that Mindy Taggett named towards the end of the episode, which is parental choice. That is a dog whistle. Um, that is the call to, there's a, you know, there's, there's of course levels of it, just like there is with everything else, but that is about breaking public education. So if you hear parental choice, your ears need to perk up. Um, also indoctrination, this idea that kids in public schools are being indoctrinated into this woke agenda, which of course runs the gamut, right? It's all the way from um, the this gender ideology, which I use with air quotes because that's not an actual thing, but this idea that um, kids are being indoctrinated into this belief that they're supposed to be transgender or non-binary or you name it, but something that is what they consider abnormal. So indoctrination is another another dog whistle. Um, the woke agenda is a dog whistle. This idea that um, they're trying to make people feel like they are all inherently racist and bad, and that um, that is not true, that they believe that all lives matter, and therefore we don't need to study the past in critical ways, that the systems are not racist, only individuals can be racist. And so you've got to fight against CRT, CRT being another dog whistle, right? Critical race theory. It's this big bucket of, of ideas about how racism works that people do not want to be talked about. Um, so any of those things, I think people's ears really need to perk up and we need to as much as possible very firmly and directly refute and push back against those things. Mm -hmm. And I have to be like, I know I'm getting really worked up here, but I am really, I had a moment last night actually, where I was thinking about the shooting in Colorado Springs recently at the club Q uh, nightclub where, you know, it, it is a, an LGBTQ nightclub and five people were killed and it's you can I cannot not acknowledge that it is there is a direct link between the things that we are talking about and the killing of people right like this isn't this isn't hyperbole this is very real and it is very dangerous and deadly for certain people and none of us are safe if we don't call it out, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's just the latest. That's just the most recent, right? We had Buffalo over the summer. That is also linked to this. Here in Texas, obviously, we have the Walmart shooting. That is linked to all of this. It, we cannot in any way act as if the benign edges of it are okay and not realize that this is a thing that slides down into deadly force and it is used and it is used again and again and again. And unfortunately, 
we have right now, because our levers of government are controlled by one party, they enable this again and again and again. So I just, I'm a little worked up today. I think, yes. Well, a thought I had, Nicole, before you started talking about that, and now I really have it, is that rhetoric matters. The words we use matter. When you use this language of othering people, that is so damaging and destructive, and I would even say evil, because then you can justify violence. You can justify harming other people. And if you're a Christian, no. Like, that is not the message of Christ period. So that's where I get really upset, you know, having grown up in a Christian home, going to a Christian college. It's like, this is so not the message that it, it's just, um, it's very, uh, I don't know, like the, the, the way these people are marrying the two of them, they're going to have it's like some sins to pay for one day. But um, I don't, I, yeah, rhetoric really, really matters. It and really it has matters. Power. And we have to, I think also the reason why I'm so worked up is I'm thinking about the legislator, right, who's sitting on the dais, who is listening to testimony from people, who is responding or who's holding a press conference later, and maybe they say something that's sort of offhand or off the cuff. That is not harmless. It does empower people. There are people who hear those off-the-cuff remarks about, you know, the indoctrination that happens in schools or that hear about the grooming of kids at drag shows. Mm -hmm. And they hear that and they think must take action, must take violent action. Or even it's like not the, excusable. It is yeah. not excusable. Well, I was, okay, it's going back to the Wall Builders podcast. They were talking about the border and how there's an invasion at the border. That word invasion, it's also a dehumanizing word. These are illegal aliens, which is what we heard growing up. I mean, that's how you justify doing bad things to these people who are humans just like us. And they and, are responsible for what they say yes. because they may not be the ones that pick up a weapon and actually perpetrate the crime, but in every other way, they made that crime possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I'm so <laughs> done being patient or I, I cannot offer best intention anymore. Well, and then this is coming from the crowd of personal responsibility, right? We need to take responsibility for our act. You need to take responsibility for the words coming out of your mouth because they are powerful. And you cannot separate yourself from the impact that they have. Mm -hmm. That That is way too convenient. You can't throw up your hands and do a whole, I condemn violence if on the on the other hand, you are saying things that dehumanize an other yes, and that allow for people to find the justification that they want and need to commit violent acts. It's just not okay. It's not okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're again, like really grateful to Mindy Tackett and the work she did putting these pieces together because we were able to chat with her and that helped us find Dr. David Brockman and his work. And there's so much, so much other work that we're unearthing that really explains what's happening and why we are where we are and gives us clues to where we're going. If we don't stand up and say, I don't know about this, you know, I don't know about this narrative that y'all are putting forth. That is a lie. Yes. And that's that.
That's so, yeah. that <laughs> passionate episode. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of thoughts. This is oh, this is something that um, needs to be said. You know, it's it definitely arises a lot of feelings, like you know we thought would happen. Um, but let us know what you think of this show, and um, if there's any books or articles you've come across that have really helped illuminate what's going on with um, this Christian nationalism rhetoric and these bills that are being put forth and how we can help um, be that counter narrative, the truer narrative, what we're striving for. Yes. The inclusive narrative. Inclusive, true, <laughs> evidence-based. Loving. Loving, kind, compassionate. Yeah. Safe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, stick with us. We have more great shows in our Culture War series. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.